today we're going to talk about impacting our world. Now, when I talk about impact the world, I guess I want to define this. I'm not talking about saving the planet, which is not a bad idea. I'm kind of fond of this planet, and I think we need to take really good care of this beautiful, precious gift that God gave us. But that's not what I'm talking about. Today, as I talk about impacting the world, I'm talking about the world around you, the people around you, your sphere of influence. You have an influence of people around you. I don't know if that's 10 people or 10,000, but you have influence. And so we need to be purposeful about making an impact in the lives of those around us. So just like your everyday life where you, you, know, you go to work, you, you go to school, uh, your neighborhood, church, in your home, please, please, uh, folks, be making a positive impact in your home. You know, you, you want your kids to grow up one day and say, hey, you know, they gave me an opportunity. You know, they trained me in the ways of God. So make a difference in your home, your workplace, your community, wherever you just do life, you know, shopping or eating out or entertaining or recreating, wherever you do life, you're impacting people. You're either impacting people for good or you're impacting people for bad. And so our goal is we want to increase the positive impact and decrease the negative impact. And we're going to look today at Scripture to see what does God say about this. Because God actually says some stuff about how to impact the world around us. And you know what? It's not, it's not something that we can't do. You know, sometimes we think, oh, it's got to be something really, really big. Remember the guy that wanted a curative leprosy and Elisha just sent out a servant and he was kind of bummed out like, I'm somebody important. You didn't even come out. And so he said, go dip yourself seven times the River Jordan. He said, well, i got better rivers to dip into this one. But he happened to have a servant who said this, hold it, come on. This is how I would say it. Basically, if Elisha's servant would have told you to crawl through broken glass up to the top of a mountain, you would have done that because that was big. But he told you to go dip seven times the river. Just give it a shot. And he gave it a shot and he was healed because he thought, well, it's got to be something big, you know, we... We get used by God in all kinds of ways, and so we want to influence people's lives, and God shows us how to do that without it having to be something super colossal or, or super big. Now, we're going to kind of go down that pathway today of discovering some how-tos to impact the world around us. And I want to remind you, as I often do, Christianity is supernatural. Christianity is spiritual. We forget that. We try to just make it all intellectual. But it only takes me one little line for you, uh, Jesus spoke, for you to realize it's supernatural and it's spiritual. Because if you think you can do this in the natural, you cannot. There is no such, Christianity may ex express itself in the natural, but exists in the supernatural. Here's just a simple thing Jesus taught. Do you think you can do this without the help of God? He said this, love your enemies. We can stop right there and know, wow, I need God. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully in other words, intentionally and willfully hurt you and harm you. You know, pray for them. Right there, it's all we have to read. We know, uh-oh, I cannot do this in the natural. This is going to require the supernatural presence of God. And so it's, it's supernatural. Now, the problem we have with supernatural and spiritual is, one, uh, seriously, unless we're egomaniacs or narcissists that think we're all that, most of us in this room, if not all of us, just think of ourselves, we're just ordinary people. And so when we think of operating in a, in a spiritual realm or supernatural, we think, I'm just, you know, an ordinary person. And then we get confused because we think the, the supernatural has to be spectacular. It has to be big. And sometimes it is. You've read about the day of Pentecost, haven't you, when the Holy Spirit showed up? Pretty spectacular. Have you read about Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? Pretty spectacular. 
Have you read about Moses on Mount Sinai? Stephen, when he's being stoned to death in the heavens open, he saw Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Pretty spectacular. But a lot of times it's not. It's just, hey, we're just doing life. We're just going through the motions, trying to be used by God, and we're, we're sowing seed, we're bringing influence into the world that may not look all that spectacular. I do want to say this too, that just because something's spiritual or supernatural, and I don't see this as much anymore, but this used to be a real trend about 20 years ago. There was this trend that if it's spiritual, if God's in it, if we're believing God for miracles and signs and wonders, then the weirder it is, the more bizarre it is, the more crazy it is, that's got to be God. Not so. So I want to tell you right now, when, when a person looks at your Christianity, they already think it's odd to a certain degree. You don't have to go out of your way to be odd. They already think it's kind of odd. I mean, think about this from a non-believer's perspective. You go to church every week. Wow, see, the world thinks, why would you waste your time doing that? Now, they don't mind wasting their time, you know, in softball or, or, or golf or the bowling league, but you go to church every week, you know, and you, give, you even give money to it, and you give time to it, and you give talent to it, and you... You volunteer, wow, that's crazy. And let me get this, so your sins have been, what now, w washed away? I mean, to them, that's kind of weird. How did they get washed away? Uh, didn't I hear some preacher say, by the, by the blood of Jesus? You know, okay, and, and, uh, and he lives inside you? I mean, to the world, they say, that's, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty wild. So you don't have to go out of your way to be crazy. You know, <laughs> they already think it's kind of crazy, even though it's real and legit. So I want to encourage us to go ahead and just let our light shine, even if we feel kind of natural, because Jesus tells a story about a farmer, and he said the farmer sows the seed, and he said even if he doesn't know how it works, now the seeds all throughout these parables, Jesus teaching is the word of God, but he says he sows this seed, so there's, there's almost always a natural something going on to give us a spiritual lesson. He says this farmer sows the seed, which is very common for him to do. He doesn't think it requires something special to do that. He's used to doing that. He's sowing the seed. And even if he don't understand it all, he knows this. Whether he's asleep or awake, Jesus says, whether he's walking through his field brooding over it and worrying about it, or if he goes on a vacation for a couple weeks and doesn't even look at the thing, he finds out that it just keeps doing its thing. The seed keeps producing, it keeps germinating, it keeps happening, and then pretty soon he blinks his eye and it's harvest time. All that crop's grown up, there's a full head of grain in the crop, and it's time to harvest all this. And although that really is pretty spectacular, I think, and pretty amazing, it just all happened kind of slowly and naturally, and, and it didn't seem all that big, but it is a big deal. When we look around our harvest fields, you got to look at that. It's a big deal of what happens that God has just programmed into our natural earthly existence. So I believe that our Christianity needs to be like that. Just, it needs to just happen as we do life. And there are times, I will say, and I want to say this clearly, there have been some rare occasions, and I say the word rare occasion, there have been some rare occasions where I felt powerful, where I felt anointed, where I felt, you know, man, God's going to use me. But they're kind of rare occasions. And the rest of the time, I just feel like me. And you just feel like you. And I think that's okay, because I think that's the way God has designed it to be. And I substantiate that from the Scripture. When we look at the Scripture, we see... Peter and John, you know, it's one of my favorite ones. They're just walking along. They're going to the temple to pray, which was, you know, kind of their habit. So they're walking along. I don't know what they're talking about. Probably just normal stuff. They're walking along. And they run into a guy who they've probably seen a hundred times, maybe a thousand times. He hasn't walked since he was born. He asked them for money. There's nothing spectacular. If you were watching this from across the field, you wouldn't see anything 
to the eye of the spectacular. And then they say, hey, we don't have any money. We don't have any cash on us, but I'll tell you what we do have. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Now, when the guy gets up and walks, we can all agree that's pretty spectacular. But if you were just watching up to that point, it wasn't like the heavens were open. It wasn't like an angel choir appeared and began to sing the hallelujah chorus. It wasn't like Peter and John began to shine with a bright light or a voice from heaven spoke. They're just like doing life. They're just being naturally supernatural. And they pray, or they actually command, and the guy gets up and walks. When you watch the ministry of Jesus, you see there are times, most of the time, he's just like minding his own business. You know what I mean? Walking along. And somebody interrupts him. And he handles that interruption with grace and brings healing or health or deliverance or whatever it is, provision. And if you saw it from the outside, it didn't look that spectacular. The answer to the problem was spectacular, but the event wasn't all that spectacular. And there were some times pretty spectacular. You see the guy with the withered hand and boom, bang, that thing pops and cracks and, and, and health comes there. You could watch that and say that's spectacular. But if you remember one time, 10 lepers come to him and say, hey... We want to be healed. And he said, it's fine. Be healed. Go show yourself to the priest. It's interesting because the scripture says that while they were on their way, they were healed. While they were on their way. So I picture that, you know, they were probably wanting something spectacular. And, uh, and well, remember the, the guy with Elijah? He said, I thought he'd at least come out and wave his hand over me or say some big prayer. He was looking for something. They might have been looking for that too. But in faith, they turned, and they started to walk to the priest, and I imagine they looked at themselves at their normal people and said, I don't look any different to you. You don't look any different. They walk another block and go, I think something may be happening. I think you're looking a little different. They walk a little further, and as they went on their way, they were healed. I mean, again, the healing's spectacular, but the event that you actually would witness would not have been all that spectacular. It would have just been somebody saying, sure, be healed. Go show yourself to the priest. Anybody can say that. But Jesus actually had authority when he said it, and it happened. There were 70 people Jesus sent out to minister. They came back with joy. They were excited. They were motivated. You know why I believe they were excited and motivated? Because I think they just felt like ordinary people. And super ordinary things happened in their lives because of Jesus. And they came back and said, even the demons submit to us in your name. Why? They, were, they just felt normal, but they said, I'm going to do what Jesus told me to do. Do you know what Jesus told them to do? Go out and raise the dead, heal the sick, cure leprosy, uh, cast out demons, and proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is among you. And I don't know about you, but if I would have got that assignment, I went, huh, okay. But they, they, in faith, they went out and did that and came back with incredible results. Normal, everyday people doing stuff that's super normal because of Jesus. So let's look at some things in scripture here in 2 Corinthians 4, 6-7. I want us to be taught by the word of God today how to make an impact in our world. And when we look at 2 Corinthians 4, 6, and 7, it says, For God who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made light shine in our hearts, so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. The God who spoke in Genesis and said, let there be light. As I say, God always has to have a deep voice. You know, isn't it true? I mean, we can't picture him not saying, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke in our hearts. And the glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus. We beheld the one and only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, Jesus. And we've received him, and his light has been deposited in us. And you say, well, I still feel like me. That's fine. But something happened in you. You became a new creation. 
some translation, both of them, I like both of them. Another one says, you're a new creature. You're a new being. The old is gone, the new has come. You've been transformed. You used to be full of sin, now you're full of light. Jesus took your sin, he knew no sin, and you became his righteousness. So you are different. And he's made his light shine in you. But look at what it says here. It goes on to explain something to us. It says, we now have this light shining in our hearts. Now, I want you to know the heart is not, the, when he talks about the heart, it's not the muscle in our chest that beats and pumps blood. It's a very important part of our body. It's not what he's talking about. It's not what you're talking about either when you say, I love you with all my heart. You don't say, I love you with every ventricle. I love you with, with every artery. No, you mean my being, my core, who I am, my essence. I love you with all my heart. And so here it says that the light of God, the light of Jesus, is shining in our hearts, our being. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. Isn't that interesting? Now, it's interesting how our minds think. I was going over this, and I thought of a treasure that was in our house when I grew up. It was called the cookie jar. Does anybody, I, I, we don't have a cookie. I've, we, our kids never even saw a cookie jar, I don't think. Does anybody still have a cookie jar? Raise your hand. Got a cookie jar? Okay, there's a few of them still around. We had a cookie jar. I want you to know, I couldn't care less about the jar. I wanted the treasure that was in it. It could have been a cookie box, a cookie bag, a cookie drawer. I didn't care. It was like it, it held the treasure. We hold this treasure, this beautiful treasure. We're just jars of clay. We're just cookie jars. We're Jesus jars. We hold this, we hold this light. And wouldn't it be nice if people said, not in a mean way, but I don't really care so much about you, but I love what's in you. You know, that really doesn't sound very nice, so does it? But we got, we got Jesus in us. They're attracted to the Jesus that's in us. It says, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. What great treasure? The light of Jesus. We contain this treasure. That makes it clear that our great power, I want to pause for a second, because I've read this so many times, and I almost missed this. You just kind of read across that, because there's so many other things going on. What are we supposed to have in us? Great power. Don't miss that. Great power. Did you ever think of yourself as having great power? Maybe not. Guess what? You have great power. That or God's a liar. I, I'm not calling him no liar. I'm saying I, I believe this. He says you have great power. He said this makes it clear that our great power is from whom? From God. Not from ourselves. So we have a power. It's ours. It's in us. It's from God. It's not us. It's him. Now, what's so beautiful about that is it takes all the pressure off us. I don't have to perform. I don't have to be God's man of power. You don't have to be God's man or woman of power. We just got to let the power that's in us flow through us. And people ought to look. Maybe we're praying for people. Maybe we're helping people. Whatever we're doing, they ought to look and say, you know what? Wonderful people love them, but they're nothing special. They're just human beings like we are. So where all is this coming from? It's coming from God. This great power is from God. We carry around with us great power. And I can tell you right now, the devil sure is not telling you that. But I'm going to tell you that today. And I'm going to be the mouthpiece of God. You have great power in you. I don't, I'm telling you, 
Don't argue with it. Don't fight it. Don't try to explain it away. Oh, no, it wouldn't be me. No, God said, if you are a believer, the light of Jesus is in you. You're, you're a clay jar, but you possess within you this great treasure, this great power that's from God. So when we just operate and let God do his thing, then we don't have to worry about our reputation or we don't have to worry about trying to be something. It's, it's back to Jesus' story. This farmer plants a seed. You know what's the power? The seed. God has programmed something in a seed that absolutely is incredible if you remember studying it in school. The seed dies. And then it comes alive something different and new. And what it gave up in its death is minuscule compared to what comes from its new life. It becomes a new creation. And it has a harvest in it. And it's a, an amazing thing. And the seed didn't have to work hard. The seed just had to be what it was created to be. You and I are created to be the people of God. Peter looked at us, looked at Gentile people and said, wow, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are people who belong to God. He looked at us and saw that. He said, look, look at you Gentiles. You're people who belong to God that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of that nasty darkness into his marvelous light. That we have, we have the light of God that shows out these clay jars, these earthen vessels. And it's all surpassing powers from God, not from us. Peter teaches us in 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12 and 15. I picked those three verses. A natural way, we're getting ready to learn a natural way to have supernatural impact. A natural way to have supernatural impact. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, as strangers, as aliens, as immigrants, however, whatever choice of word you want to use, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Apparently, he's talking to believers, so apparently we, we can be involved in sinful desires. He's saying, don't be, abstain from, get away from the war against your soul. It's not going to, it's not going to end well, it's not going to be healthy for you. And then he tells, I want you to see your life a little different, that this earth as it exists now is not our final home. He said, I want you to be like Abraham, who looked forward to a city whose builder and maker was God. Not, not the, the tent he lived in, not your house, no matter how nice it is. You're looking forward to a city whose builder and maker is God. So, know that, live like that, abstain from sinful desires, and here we go. You ready to learn? Verse 12. Live such, what's the next two words? Good lives. Live such good lives. I thought you were going to tell me something supernatural and special. This is. Live such good lives among the pagans. Pagans are unbelievers, non-Christians. Live such good lives among the non-Christians that though they accuse you of doing wrong, let me explain it. They may say, well, why would they accuse me of doing wrong? Because some, and, and many of them will not. I want you to know, many will not. But some will because, and I'm very serious about this, the Jesus in you is in conflict to the devil that's in them. And now, by the way, I wouldn't tell them that because, you know, most people, why do you mean the devil? Jesus looked at religious people and said, you're your father the devil. Religious people. So what kingdom are you a part of? Well, if they're not in the kingdom of Jesus, then they're in the kingdom of this world. And Satan is the prince and power of the kingdoms of this world. 
But one day the kingdoms of this world, I mentioned this last week, but it always pumps me up, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. And right now we're in the kingdom of God. So, so there's something in us and in them that's in conflict with each other. And so if you live your life for Jesus and you're just, you're not holier than thou, you're not disrespectful, you don't think you're better than anybody, I will promise you there'll be some people that they'll speak evil of you. They'll be out with your coworkers and say, oh, he or she thinks they're all that. Oh, they just think they're holier than thou. They think that, and you think, I'm not doing anything. I'm just living for Jesus. Quietly and politely, I thought, but that, that war is waging there. But look what happens here. It says, live such good lives among the non-Christians that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. They're going to have a visitation because of you. They're going to have a visitation. So just be hopeful, just be prayerful. They're going to have a visitation, and they're going to glorify God. Verse 15, for it is God's will that by, what's the next two words? Doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Now again, I wouldn't go and say, I'm doing this because I want to silence your foolish talk, you ignorant person. But that is what's happening. They're beginning to experience something. They're going, wow. There's something different about them. There's something about the way they live. There's something about who they are. Now, this next one gives us some insight. This is from Jesus in Matthew 5, 15 and 16. And I want to talk about the seeming conflict here and how it is covered in the word of God. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. You surely at some time or another have had a power outage, correct? And it's dark. And if you were prepared, you got some kind of lantern or flashlight or something that you want to use. If not, you, you run around, find something. And so if you, let's say you're prepared, you got this special lantern, it's all charged up and ready to go, and you turn it on, you don't go and put it under the sink and shut the doors, do you? No. It's like putting it under a bushel. You take that lamp or that lantern or that light and you put it in a very prominent place so the most people can see it and gain benefit from it, right? So listen to what Jesus is teaching. If the lights went out in your house, you would take and light something and you put it on a lampstand so everyone could see it and everyone could benefit by it. In the same way, did you catch that? In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. What, what's he telling us? Do your good deeds and place your good deeds very strategically so people can see them. Now, now we're going to say, hold, hold it, but didn't Jesus tell us when you do good, you give money to the poor, you help people out, you're doing good, do your good deeds in secret so that people won't see you? Now, now we're going to find out what he's talking about because he said, we should fast in secret, pray in secret, do good in secret. That's not the whole counsel of Jesus. That's the counsel for us when we're prideful and we want to be seen by people so they'll think we're wonderful. Because he said, don't do that just to be seen of men or that'll be your only reward. Well, here we're shifting what our motivation is. Because we, if we do it just to be seen of men, they say, wow, Tracy, you're so wonderful and you're so incredible. And you say, well, you're... You're just saying that because it's true. And uh, then you, 
you say, by the way, I want to make sure you spell my name right for the plaque I'm sure you're going to put or for the, 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 the monument you'll put in the town square. I want to make sure my name's spelled correctly because I'm so wonderful. And Jesus said, that's a horrible motivation. That's a wrong motivation. And if the praise of men is what you want, that's what you get. That's all you get. But here, look at what he says. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise whom? You? No. So they'll praise your Father in heaven. They'll praise God. And so it's a total shift in motivation. Now, there may be a season in your life where you have to kill your flesh and you've got to do your good deeds in secret because you want and crave the, the applause of people. And then one day you'll grow up and you'll get past that and then you can begin to do your good deeds very strategically because that lamp is set up strategically so that people will see it, so it will benefit those who are looking. And here our good deeds are done very strategically so that God will be glorified. They're not in conflict with each other. They're, they just depend upon our motivation. So what can you do naturally that's very supernatural? Good deeds. Good thing. The Bible says that Jesus went about, guess what? Doing good. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. Good deeds was a part of what Jesus did. And he would do those things publicly. And in fact, the religious would get mad at him. One time they said, let's stone him to death. And Jesus has a real cool answer. He said, for which good deed are you going to stone me to death for? I mean, you're going you're gonna to stone me for healing that person or for casting that demon out or for feeding the hungry, or for raising the dead. Oh, uh, well, we're, we're not stoning you for any of that. We're stoning you because you being a mere man claimed to be God. But he wasn't a mere man. He was God wrapped in human flesh. And so he had the right to, to proclaim that. So here's, here's a verse, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Now, Eugene Peterson, who went on to be with the Lord a few years ago, he did a paraphrase of the Bible called The Message. So this comes out of The Message. I love how it's reworded. And so I would encourage you, jot that down, The Message. You, can, you don't even have to go out and buy the actual Bible. You can get online. You can find it online. You can print these two verses out, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It begins in the King James with this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Now, sadly, we lose most people right there. I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, if I said, I beseech you, with great haste, when the service is over, expedite thyself to mine house, that I might bequeath thee something. You go, what? I'm just saying, after church, head to my house as quick as you can. I want to give you something. Okay, why didn't you say that? So, so here, he's saying this in a very modern way. It's not changing the meaning of it, but I really love it. So, and it goes along with what we're talking about today. Romans 12, 1 and 2. So here's what I say to you, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Okay? I get that. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. You might have never thought of it that way, but God's done so much for you. When you embrace that and receive it, that blesses him. So accept what he's done for you. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Now, a lot of Christians do that, and this we're warned not to do that. So when we look at our culture, and so much of what goes on in the culture, and always has gone on in the culture, this is not just, yeah, you know, 2020s are horrible. If you were my age right now, in 1962, 
you would think that America was going to hell in a handbasket and it would be over with soon because it was a wild time. So every, every season, every generation thinks, oh my gosh, things are awful. And I'm not saying they're beautiful, but I am telling you that the culture often is against us whatever era you've lived in. But not everything about the culture is bad, so you ought to at least think about it. You know, if there's something good going on in the culture, it's okay to say, that's good, that's cool. If it contradicts the scripture, if it contradicts Jesus, if it contradicts the divine principles of God, then it's not good. So he's just saying, think about it. Don't just accept everything, think about it. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, which is always God's path. He always works from the inside out. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. So recognize what God wants and then respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Wow, what a... Eugene did a great job paraphrasing those couple verses where he can say, wow, I see what God's up to and what he wants to do in my life. What I so love about it is take your life, you know, your everyday, ordinary, sleeping, eating, walking around life, going to work life, because that's where we live, and go be what God's called you to be there. So I have an impact your world plan. Live life on assignment talked about that recently. Wake up every day on assignment from God. Now, don't make that a pressure thing or a burden. Oh, no, just, hey God, it's a new day. I'm yours. You're mine. If you want me to do something today, please lead me, direct me, guide me, give me the courage and the faith to do it. A few weeks ago, I was on a motorcycle trip and I, one, of, one of the bikes broke down, so we didn't get to finish the whole trip and the bikes were in a, a vehicle being hauled back. And so we pull in the gas station and fill up the vehicle, but we're not on our bikes, so we don't really look like bikers. By the way, I don't know if you know this, but I started a bike gang. If it's totally serious about this, I started a bike gang. It only has two members, but um, it's called the Iron Koalas. And so uh, it's true, I got a logo, got everything for it, and uh, I'm sometimes nervous because I don't want to run to Hell's Angels and get in a fist fight with them, you know, some biker club fight. So, you know, I'm nervous about wearing the shirt, but I do have a shirt. So we're there, we don't really look like bikers, and I'm, I look up there, and there's a bike gang, I mean like a real bike gang up there, you know, and I want to walk in and get a tee. And I look there, and they got leathers on, they got jackets, on the back of their jacket, it says, Fallen Angels. So I thought, well, that's something. I got a resurrected Savior, they got Fallen Angels. Maybe I should talk to them. So I'm moving my way up to the door, and they're just all kind of clustered around the door, and so I got up there, and I did. I got up there, and I said, excuse me. And I walked around, <laughs> and I went in and got a tea. And then later I thought, that was real brave. <laughs> but, but anyway, I'll never do that again. I'll get my buddy to go share Christ with them. And then I'll see what happens, and then I'll come in on it. So anyway, so if you feel like, oh, man, I blew it. You know, I should have been. We've all done it. We've all done it. And so, but I did say, excuse me. So that was, you know, a step in the right direction. So live on assignment. There's stuff going around you. Live on assignment. Be ready. You won't always hit a home run. You may strike out at times, but at least you're in the game, so be on assignment. Second thing is strategically plan to do good. I don't think people think about this. Strategically plan to do good. Strategically. 
King David one day was walking through his castle, through his palace, and he was pondering. And he had an interesting thing he pondered. He said, isn't there someone still left from Saul's household that I could show kindness to? Isn't that interesting? The king is saying, isn't there someone from what would actually be a rival family that I might show kindness to for the sake of my friend Jonathan? And they said, yeah, there is a guy named Mephibosheth. And that's a beautiful story, but that's not my story. But my story is he was being very purposeful about thinking, isn't there someone I can show kindness to? Now, he didn't know Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, for all he knew, had a plan to take back over his grandfather's throne. He didn't know, but he was going to show kindness. So I'm going to encourage you to be very strategic, to be kind. And then, it doesn't, please be kind to your family. Please be kind to those you love and care for. But maybe God will ask you to be kind and do some good for somebody who's not so much on your fond list. But you just say, oh, I'm going to be, is, is there somebody I can be kind to? Is there somebody I can be good to? And you can do your good deeds. And those good deeds, that love that you will show them, will be, the Bible says it will be like heaping coals on their head. Now, I think it means a little different, heaping coals, because some people think, okay, heaping coals, good. I'm going to get them. But when I thought about coals, coals were always a cleansing agent. In Isaiah, they took the coals and cleansed Isaiah's lips. They were a cleansing agent. They weren't, uh, they weren't uh, coals were used in censers uh, by the, the priests. They weren't a, a mean thing. They were a, a blessing thing. And I think as we begin to show good and be kind and loving to those who aren't so fond of us, it begins to do a cleansing process in their life. And if you never see it, that's okay. You're still being like God. You know, the scripture tells us, God says, I am kind to the just and the unjust. I am good and kind to the wicked and the righteous. And when you're kind, this is what the Bible says, you're being like your father in heaven. But that guy's a jerk. Well, we're jerks sometimes. God's still kind to us. And there's all kinds of people who mock him and make fun of him. And guess what? God loves them. And he's showing kindness to them. And so when we do that, we're being like God. Then I want to encourage you to take advantage of unexpected moments to do good. I was in a big box store going through line. It was my turn. I put my stuff up there. But the guy in front of me was having a problem. Was, his card wasn't clearing. And so he's getting on the phone, calls wife, find out, okay, shouldn't there be some money on here? And, and so I thought, you know what? I will just buy his stuff. Now, not to seem super noble, I looked over and saw a little pile. I thought, okay, well, that can't cost much. Then, just to be safe, because I didn't want there to be a 70-inch TV tucked around the corner or something, you know, so I said, to the, I said, how, how much is his deal? I forget what, eight bucks, 12 bucks, 15 bucks, something like that. So I'll, I'll just pay that. So I paid it. And uh, of course, he was happy and he was blessed. And, and she said this, oh my goodness, my faith in humanity has been restored. I thought for 12 bucks, your faith in humanity has been restored? Praise God. That's good. And you, the next one is point things to God. And you don't have to be weird about it either. You can say, man, God's been so good to me, I'd like to pass some of that goodness along. Jesus just touched my life and blessed me, and I want to be a blessing. And people know, wow, they did this because of Jesus. They did this because of the Lord. And so you point your goodness to God. 